They sat in Linda's Kashkai with the heaters blasting. They hotboxed the Teco man-made microfiber leather seats with a family circle box that they'd forgotten to take inside with them. Linda was pushing 70 now, but always tried to take the custard creams apart, eat the middle and then eat the sides. Her focus on the task was inspiring. She often chastised a poor quality biscuit for being the reason that she'd failed to remove the cream in one. When did the child end and the pensioner begin, thought Caitlin, as she selected a second chocolate finger. Caitlin hadn't seen her friend in person for about six weeks, and in that time, purely coincidentally, both women had acquired new glasses. Linda's were a fabulous pair of circular thin white ones in the style of Philippa Perry, and Caitlin's were less trendy, but they were Ray-Bans, although she said, you'd be hard-pressed not to find a designer pair at that optician. They were having a couple of minutes outside the care home together. It didn't seem quite right just driving off to get on with their evening after what they'd experienced, and they telepathically knew they just needed a few cheap biscuits together as some sort of epilogue. For the most part, it had been joyous, but Linda and Caitlin knew that it was also tinged with a lot of poignancy and sadness. That lady at number 14 seemed a bit unwell, didn't she? mumbled Linda, whilst brushing the crumbs of cookie into the footwell. I'll have to take this into back attack before Martin uses it on Monday, won't I? Any news on him, by the way? Yeah, we've got a date for the MRI. Linda had been pretty clear about how to keep a lookout for the obvious signals. She'd always mumbled a question or two when he got back for another midnight wee. You know, he's more annoyed about the disruption to his back nine at the club than his backside. He'll be alright, she said. I suppose it'll give us something new to talk about. And there it was, Caitlin thought. The most bleak but honest description of ageing she'd heard in years. Good old Linda. They watched the last of the families finally leave the care home and amble across the gravel to their cars. Linda's lot had left a bit earlier because the littlest one had had a meltdown. All the children were laden with buckets of sweets. Not really little bags of Haribo tonight. More golden wrapped toffees and mint imperials that they thought were gobstoppers. One kid had a sherbet fountain that they didn't know what to do with. What did you think then, overall? asked Linda. Um, it was special, mumbled Caitlin. Perhaps a little ironic, but it was sweet. The kids were a little bit unnerved at times, weren't they? That man in the corner dressed as a zombie, for example. Yeah, I wasn't sure you was dressed up at first, said Linda, making them both giggle a bit. And then she coughed, for twice as long as she laughed. The care home residents had all wanted to host a trick-or-treat event, where children would come to the home and get sweets from each resident. Some were in their day room chairs, some were in their bedrooms, some were even in costume. There was a little buffet of spooky ice buns and tepid hot chocolates when they arrived. And there were some cups of oxtail soup that weren't actually touched, because the children thought that they were Halloween decorations. 
The staff, for some reason, are dressed as mad scientists, in white wigs and blood-spattered white coats, and they'd help usher the families from room to room, navigating some of the residents' hearing, their mobility, and on one or two occasions, their sanity. Most children were actually just more keen to play on the wheelchair access ramps. Linda had heard about it through the street's WhatsApp group, and her sister-in-law had begged Linda to take the grandchildren along and help boost the numbers. Caitlin had stuck quite close to them throughout, but had got waylaid on the route back from the toilet. She saw a white figure, completely alone, in the orangery in front of an oil burner. She was initially drawn to the smell of perfume. It was the sort of archaic smell of feminine rose water that they made a hundred years ago. Caitlin felt it might be patronising just to assume she could take a seat next to this lady because she seemed vastly more composed and aware than the others. She was watching Caitlin like pandas do humans conscious of their imprisonment so she pretended to be admiring the paintings as though she were at a gallery. Hello dear, the woman said. Are you enjoying this event? Caitlin briefly explained who she was with and how much she'd admire the whole idea and obviously how impressed she was with this woman's Miss Havisham costume. The woman said she was called Evelyn and she was delighted that she'd not thought she was the corpse's bride. She'd been sewing the makeshift wedding dress from some old sheets and doilies for weeks and weeks and she'd even asked the staff to get some fake cobwebs. Caitlin was enamoured. The detail, the yellowing stains. They were from an old tea bag, Evelyn said. The veil was a pickling muslin. Her pearls and brooches were her own, or rather her grandmother's, she said proudly. We're talking mid-Victorian times, dear, that she'd have worn these. Not long after this book was penned. Just using the verb penned told Caitlin so much about this woman. She was trying not to judge her situation and wonder why she was even here. Caitlin had always loved Havisham. But then who wouldn't nowadays? She was long overdue a spin-off series. And she told that to Evelyn who was proudly making sure the brooch wasn't covered by the sheet's ripples and wasn't really listening to what Caitlin was saying about what makes Netflix commissioner series. I wonder how many parties this one has been to, Evelyn said, talking to the brooch. Probably not a party as unique as this. You're a sweet girl. Thank you for coming along. It's the most visitors some of these poor residents have ever seen. She said poor residents, as though she wasn't one. Caitlin perched on the arm of the sofa now, and they spoke about the gardens and the age of the house. They spoke about the staff and their demeanour. They even laughed at the ironic choice of their costumes. But Caitlin could tell she was just going through the motions and making the sort of small talk that people expected of her. There was something so observant and aware about this old woman, like she was desperate to get onto more interesting topics. 
Her mind seemed to be trapped in her body and the two didn't seem to align. And then, completely out of nowhere, she sipped her cold tea, sat up a fraction and said, I'll tell you what real love is. It is blind devotion, unquestioning self-humiliation, utter submission, trust and belief against yourself and against the whole world, giving up your whole heart and soul to the smiter. Having anyone quote a passage of literature always takes your breath away, but the speed of the recital, the timing of the sentiment, and the fact that Evelyn was a 90-plus resident in a care home made the whole experience chilling for Caitlin. Well, that's my party piece done then, dear. I was really hoping I'd get a chance to say it out loud, so thank you for indulging me. I didn't want to scare the kids too much with it. Now, would you try and find Debbie and let her know I'm a bit desperate for the bathroom, please, dear? Thank you. Caitlin and Linda were starting to mist up the Kashkai. Caitlin loosened her scarf and was biting her bottom lip, thinking about Evelyn. She could see Linda's neck veins out of the corner of her eye while she was nibbling around a jammy dodger, trying to savour the jam in the middle until the end. Right, we better get back to reality then. People will be waiting for us, Linda said, meaning her, but she included Caitlin anyway, and turned the key in the ignition. Caitlin let the condensation on the window cool her temple. She watched the lights of the care home blur as they rumbled along the gravel driveway. The mournfulness of the place drew away like the tide. 